-hmm. And you have to really understand that this is a relationship game, mm -hmm. not just a social media and, and a, follow, a numbers, numbers game. game. Welcome back to the Cameron AB Show. My name is Cameron Albel Brannigan, and today I got a chance to sit down with a very good friend of mine, Calvin Royal III. Right now he is a soloist with American Ballet Theater, and he is just killing the game in New York. We had a chance to sit down for a bit to talk a little bit about the ballet world, the entertainment industry, social media, and a little bit about some future projects he has cooking up. So without further ado, here's the podcast. Hey everybody, this is Cameron AB, and I'm sitting down with a really good friend of mine that I've known for, I won't say how many years, because <laughs> I can't remember, um, Calvin Royal III. How are you, Calvin? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good, good. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are? So, hi everyone. I'm Calvin Royal III, as Cameron said. We have known each other for many, many years and um, have sort of seen each other grow um, in, our, in our respective uh, fields yeah. um, as they've evolved and, and grown. Uh, and I, still growing. And still growing. Um, I am from Florida. I grew up kind of on the road. My dad was in the army. Mm -hmm. And I, I moved to New York when I was 17 to continue my studies as a ballet dancer with yeah. American Ballet Theater School. And currently you are a soloist with the company. Yes, I'm right. a soloist with ABT. Um, this is my third year as a soloist. Um, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> now, 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 one big thing that I want everyone to, to, to know, you know, a lot of people think that becoming a ballet dancer, you have to start at a very young age, like three, four mm -hmm. years old. Um, when did you start? I took my first ballet class when I was 14. 14? Yeah, I was Cons 14. Considered already older. Yeah, I was pretty late to the game. Yeah. Um, I went to performing arts high school in Florida, and um, that's, that's where I got my start. Now, do you see that as, or did you see that as a disadvantage growing up? I mean, no. To be honest with you, I... I kind of saw it more as uh, I got into dance not thinking that I was going to go on to become a professional ballet dancer. Right. It was never okay. sort of my, uh, back then, it wasn't a thought in my head that this was going to be my career. It was, you were just loving it. I just was interested in it because uh. I had done um, this community project called the Chocolate Nutcracker every year prior to starting ballet. The Chocolate Nutcracker. The Chocolate Nutcracker. Okay. <laughs> um, it was this community project that brought together kids from all over the Tampa Bay area in Florida um, to put on a production of the Chocolate Nutcracker every December. And in this version, there was jazz dancing, there was hip hop, there was West African dancing. So I, doing that, I got an exposure to dance in mm -hmm. a way and I just loved doing it. So when I got into the high school of performing arts and started ballet, it was just exploring, really. Just exploring a new way of moving and so that's that's amazing. First of all the the chocolate nutcracker. <laughs> um yeah. now since you were fourteen and starting and kind of just 
seeing what floated your boat in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, Did everything move so quickly for you? Because from 14 to 17. Yeah. In three years time, I was, I went from starting my very first ballet class to moving to New York City in three years. From Florida. From Florida. And has had anyone in your family done anything like this? Anything? Mm, uh, I mean, my my the dad's my dad's side of the family they're military, so a lot of them traveled a lot. Okay. Um, working in the military, but in terms of artistic pursuits, um, no one ever went off to a big city to become a musician or wow. a dancer that I know of. To so, so you're a pioneer in your own family. In a way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm seeing a trend in your career as one of firsts. Yeah. Um, so now you're in New York. You've been in New York for many years. Yeah, many years. Uh, crazy how time flies. Oh, I remember I was a friend of somebody in ABT's studio company mm-hmm. back when it was still called Studio Company. Um, <clears throat> and that's how I first met you. Yeah. And, you know, go over to your apartment and stay with, you know, various family connections. And um, I have seen you grow in so many ways, as we all do as people, but especially as somebody who um, was kind of in some ways casted to the side you know, not just because of, you know, either you started late, but also, you know, you're a, a black man in a predominantly white art form. Mm-hmm. Um, could you touch on that a little bit? And, and did you feel any of that growing up? To be honest with you, I think it... It's a hard question. Yeah, I, it, I mean, I, it's, I'm it's, sorry. A, it's, a, it's a difficult question because... Growing up in a military family, we moved around every two mm-hmm. years, one. Um, and in every city that I remember living in as a kid, there were kids from so many different racial and ethnic backgrounds. So yeah. growing up on that side of things, it was always kind of normal to be around it was people life. That, yeah, that were like me and not like me. Yeah. Um, but it was when I moved to New York um, and I was suddenly in a school studying ballet, one of 12 dancers that were chosen from all over the world uh, to to study and train um, at ABT school, that I would be in this class and look around and not see many people that look like me, not just in the class, but the teachers, the um, people in the company, the people Mm. that are behind the scenes running the organizational stuff. I didn't see anyone that I could go to and be like hey Hey, you know we're just doing the same thing yeah we're doing the same thing and uh, you know um so I I didn't really have that and um it's been a journey these past years kind of growing up in the institution Mm -hmm. of ABT and kind of discovering what my voice is in all of that um yeah I, I think that we're all trying to find our voice no matter what artistic endeavor that we're look you know going into but especially for you i mean we're, we're going to touch on all the stuff that you're currently doing yeah but it's 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 amazing how you know there is this still the stigma of you go to the ballet and it's considered a 
non, you know, anything other than being pale and white is seen as different. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think I think everybody is is changing, although slowly, to adapting to it. Um, <clears throat> why don't you tell people of the new um, opportunities that you're gonna get this year and beyond yeah. with this narrative that that you've kind of written for yourself? I'll go back a little bit. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Just to say that um, the world in which we live in, we're in 2020, mm. and the fact that we still haven't seen certain things on the stage or seen certain demographics mm. represented in ways that are authentic and true, yeah. it's really puzzling <laughs> for me. Um, but I... <laughs> the way that I see it is that I want to be that change. I want to have used all the experiences that I've had up until this point to take on the roles this coming season, like Romeo and Romeo and Juliet, to take on the role of Albrecht and Giselle, to take on the newest role in my repertoire of Love and Rage. I'm playing uh, one of the principal characters in that. Um, but to be able to do that in a way that it's going beyond this is a black man playing this role. Exactly. Um, this is a black man who's earned his place and that he's worked incredibly hard and had to overcome many obstacles and challenges of just the day to day and and changing people's perception because you can't change people in general. No. Um, no. But doing it in a way that I'm using my art and using the, the time and effort and energy that I put into it to tell the same stories, but in my oh, own way. Got it. As an artist. And you're not walking this alone. Obviously, you know, there's all the predecessors that came before you, mm-hmm. but even certain contemporary dancers and yeah. artists. Um, who, who, who else are you dancing alongside? Who are your going through this journey? Um, well, I mean, this coming season, I'll be debuting Romeo with uh, Cassie Trenary, but also at the Met, I'm dancing with Misty Copeland, uh, which, you know, she's Google done. her if you don't know <laughs> if who you she is. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't already know, Google Misty Copeland. Um, but knowing her story and, and the things that she's had to overcome. Which is very similar to yours in many ways. In many ways it is. In many ways it's, you know, different. different. Yeah. Um, but being able to stand on the stage together at the Metropolitan Opera House in 2020 and say, you know, this is where we are. We have so much further to go um, as a people, as a society, um, as an art form. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be able to stand on the stage and make that statement and, and do it in a a way that's bigger than the two of us, right. Um, for the art form, for the, for the culture is huge. Yeah. And especially when you really look at the culture and you look at the individuals who are such big stars in the culture, you see a lot of athletes, Mm -hmm. you know, you see like LeBron James Mm -hmm. and Michael Jordan, like icons, Kobe Bryant. I mean, how tragic was his passing not too long ago on the culture? Um, and, and I can just keep going with names, but it's, it's odd that we still have this conversation of through about race Mm -hmm. 
especially in a time right now when so many people in our culture are not white. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's not all vanilla. Right. You know, right. you got ch- chocolate, you got <laughs> peanut butter, you got, you know, strawberry, you got all the flavors here. You, and you, why and why wouldn't you want I feel like it's <laughs> so important for us to acknowledge that to live in a world that's everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. That's not how we grow. Right. That's not how we evolve and progress. And it's so important for us to have those voices and those faces and those people represented. Um because that just makes us yeah. m- more diverse, more full, more, um, you know, complete. Complete as a race, you know, because we are a human race. I mean, uh, so many things to talk about. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to segue too much. But, mm-hmm. you know, on this podcast, is uh, a lot of creatives and a lot of people, especially in the entertainment industry, are... are hopefully viewing this and hearing your story. Um, you're also taking initiatives outside of ballet. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit about that? So growing up in this sort of mm-hmm. <laughs> realm of, of dance and arts, um, it's always been nice to, to see those people or those leaders mm-hmm. that you identify with in a way and and that you they're saying things that you can relate to and 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 want to know more about um this summer for example i um am going to be the artist in residence at the veil dance festival which is a big deal (laughs) especially in the not just in the dance world but but to be an artist residence at veil is i mean keep going (laughs) keep going so we we talked a little bit about this earlier, but yeah. it, it being an artist in residence at Vale Dance Festival, uh, the director is Damien Wetzel, who mm. he's currently the president at the Juilliard School, and was a former principal dancer with New York City Ballet, and he brings together and curates um, performances in the summer mm. up at Vale, um, and to be an artist in residence of this festival, it's really about um, acknowledging a leader in our field and and endorsing them in a way that says this person is someone who is doing something in big ways for the culture and for the art form right um and this summer being the artist in residence a big part of the initiative is boys in ballet um reaching out to them letting them know that you have a community of guys that went through the same things as you perhaps and are here to support you and mm-hmm. and there's going to be master classes there's going to be mentorship there's going to be opportunities for them to probably perform with us on stage in some way so for me to be able to give back in that way is huge that's and that's all it is you you've reached a, a point that I'm sure even you're surprised of and so now you're in a position to um, not only give back but to 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 really make an impact on other people's lives yeah and and for me it's I think about this a lot about the the next generation that's coming up behind me I don't want to do all of what I'm doing just for me like it's never been about just Calvin no. Calvin Roe the third yes. it's never just been about me it's about 
me being able to make a difference and me being able to help the next generation mm -hmm. of dancers, of artists, of athletes, whoever can look at my story and resonate right. with it in yeah. some way. Um, I want to be able to, to help and make a difference in their lives. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I feel that there's this huge cliche and you see it all over the place with any artistic uh, form that there's a, a lot of ego. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who are doing this for themselves mm -hmm. and say, I want to get to that level, yeah. which is a great goal to have. Yeah. But I feel it comes at the expense of the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. You know, you why are you making this art? Mm -hmm. You're not just doing it for yourself. And and that's the thing too is it's like in our in our time you go on social media and you see people projecting these lives and the next generation that's looking at that right. they're looking at the fame they're looking at the success they're mm -hmm. looking at what fancy car I right. got or what outfit I'm wearing to yeah. this or that and it's like yeah those things come along if those things come along that's great yeah. but these these kids need people right. to look to that are actually actually there to support and help and advocate for right and You're, our allies yeah with. because going back to what you were saying we're we're all doing this together mm -hmm. like we're all on this spinning rock in the middle of space you know together <laughs> when you break it down when you break it down true. to it that is it um yeah pretty much <laughs> and you know to think that you a small piece of this speck of dust is going to be this huge impact like i i you know w walking down the streets of eighth avenue i see tons of people with um probably a thousand dollars worth of clothes on their body yeah and i bet you if you looked at their bank accounts it probably said close to zero mm -hmm. or in the negative mm -hmm. either way so I see a ton of people who try to front and try to floss in front of everyone to project a life that they want, but it's actually getting them further away of who they are. Mm -hmm. And especially artists, we know that we're not making a whole lot of money. Yeah. We're not doing this for the money. At least we shouldn't. Mm -hmm. If you are, you need to do something else. <laughs> but. Yeah, it, it's, it's just such a it's, just, it, it's a weird thing. It, it, it's an insecurity on the on the individual and so you have to show a different lifestyle to others mm -hmm. which i think if you just got rid of it and stayed humble mm -hmm. you, and 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 allowed other people to either help you or you help others the whole world would be a whole lot better it, place it be especially place. in the art world mm -hmm. especially in the art world now um you are pretty prevalent on social media. Yes. And because of all your endeavors, you do have a following. Mm -hmm. um, and you are giving back to your audience. Now, how do you see artists today utilizing social media? And can it make or break a career? I don't necessarily know if... I mean, it definitely gives artists... A platform of visibility in mm -hmm. ways that maybe didn't exist as much or were was much harder to attain yeah. pre-social media yeah. um, I've used social media for I want to say five or six years now um, and have used it really in a way to connect um, I put things out there but I also love to connect with the people that yeah. that follow me because having one person follow you is 
is a gift you know one person wanting to listen to your story or listen to what you have going on that's that's a freaking gift right um but i feel like it can be used as a tool um to spread your message spread um information about what you're doing things that you're up to things that you're trying to make a difference yeah by by doing yeah i found that um and it doesn't matter the level of your talent, quote unquote, within your art form. I feel as if if you're really good at marketing yourself on social media, it can really get you in the door. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I, I've had experiences where even myself, who I've grown my following and yes. co- communicate with them and, and connect with them in ways that maybe people that have millions of followers don't necessarily do. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't have a million followers, I may not get the job. I may not get right. that opportunity. Right. But, but also I have to say s- one thing, it's not the uh, number of followers that you have. Cause you know, there are all sorts of ways that you can fake mm-hmm. several thousand followers. Yeah. You, you know, you can pay some money and some fake accounts get followed onto yours. Um, you know, it, it, it's one thing, like, you could have five people following you on Twitter, and um, but those five people might be Bill Gates, um, Michelle Obama, um, LeBron James. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's about who's watching your content. And, yeah. and a lot of times you see some really big names getting opportunities, but you look at them and they don't have a social media. So what are they really doing? Um, I think it's a part of the equation in today's yeah. world moving yeah. forward, but you also have to back it up. Mm-hmm. And you have to really understand that this is a relationship game, mm-hmm. not just a social media and and a follow a numbers numbers game. game. Mm-hmm. And I feel as if a lot of times that there are individuals who might just be looking at the numbers. There are definitely there are definitely are who are only looking at the numbers. I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs> there definitely are people who just look at the numbers. Yeah. I, I've even seen actors, and they say, "Oh, I have this many followers on this social media platform." I have 20K on Instagram. I have 2,000 on Twitter. I have this and that and this and that because ah, unfortunately in certain pockets of industry, it does make a difference. Mm -hmm. So um, do what you will with that information, but just know that you have to also be accessible as a human being. Totally. And also for me, it's been really rewarding and fulfilling to feel like the people that I have on there who are super supportive or, you know, reach out to me, they know that they're getting a message back from me directly. Yes. It's not me outsourcing that. Um, always, always respond to your comments. Yeah. I always tell people that, you know, I follow um, Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you know yeah, who, who know he Gary. is. Yeah. And I, he, I do too. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I, I, it's just like you never know. Like people may not know who, who certain people are, but he is one advocate of saying, you know, you're the mayor of your own town calvin town mm-hmm. <laughs> cameron town and you know you have people asking you questions and talking to you you need to respond back mm-hmm. doesn't matter how little or how big the answer has to be you have to respond back to your people yeah so that's how i say it um could you talk a little bit about the films that you are working on yeah so i in the same vein of wanting to inspire and give the next generation something to look 
look at and be part of and be immersed in. Um, I'm working on a virtual reality film project, um, which basically charts the whole journey from me discovering ballet um, up into me becoming Romeo at, at the Met this spring with ABT. Mm. Um, and so this whole idea came out of this dream or this wish for people who don't necessarily get to or can afford a ticket to come see a show at these prestigious opera houses. Yeah. But I, I think what we do as dancers is so, um, it's a world that most people don't really, they just see the, the, the glitz and the glam, mm -hmm. but they don't all often see what that journey is like to get to the glitz and the glam. Yeah. Which is not glitz and Which glam. Which is not to always glitz and it's glam. It's usually blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> and everything else. In yeah, yeah. yeah, so this, this VR project is an immersive experience that will bring um, people up close and personal to the dance and make them feel like they can um, experience that life and that world that we experience every day. Good. And do you, it, does it have a name yet? Um, our working title is Romeo. Uh, a classic and virtual reality. Ah, good, 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 good. Um, are there any other films that you're working on right now? Uh, currently, that's that's kind of like you can't. You know, I, I have a few things kind of in in the, the works, plate, but but this is the one that I have on my plate right good. now that I'm really pushing Putting for everything. And so you're being the co-producer and uh, the and writer as well good. on this project. My good friend Katya Martin, who's kind of like my superwoman. She's been helping me. Also, you know, this is a big entrepreneurial push for yeah. for both of us in a way, and, and we're both learning so much yeah. about um, how we get our voices and our stories told in the best possible way. Yeah. And so are you thinking about just putting this out, or are you going to try to um, introduce this into, like, um, festivals? So... Uh, yeah, so distribution-wise, we're looking at the festival circuit for mm -hmm. exposure, um, but also uh, a big component of, of this, which I love so much, is that there are VR educational opportunities where mm. um, this would be potentially part of um, arts education mm. um, in schools for, for kids. And also there's hospitals that we're looking also at, at yeah. distribution for patients who can't necessarily get out of the hospital, but they can right. be immersed in these worlds that are life-changing. Good. Great. That, all the best to you with Thank that. You. that that's, a, that's a big undertaking, it's especially a, VR. Not a lot of people know. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's a world and a space that hasn't really explored the dance space in a way. Yeah. And so we're kind of trying to pioneer this and, and yeah. get people excited about this new endeavor. Right. Great. All right, so there's always two questions I ask my guests, and one of them for you, um, in the entertainment industry, because you, you, you work with a lot of people at all different levels, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be in front of the, uh, on the stage or behind the scenes, what is one part of your industry that you wish could be better? Yeah, that's a good question. There's many things that many I things. wish could be better. Yes. <laughs> um, or, or changes that, that you wish. I mean, we, we, we talked a little bit about race, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but is, is there anything else that pops into your mind? Um, I, 
one of the biggest things that I, I talk about with friends, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. lately, is this whole idea of artists being taken advantage of in a way. Uh. Um, and in many different ways. In many different ways. Um, but one of the biggest is it's like when you're an artist, this you put so much of your soul mm -hmm. into what you do. And a lot of times, you know, you'll get a job for, in my case, like for a campaign, for example, and they want to use a dancer. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize you need a proper floor or you need to make sure that they're taken good care of e even like how warm is the room how warm you, is the room if time to warm up if you're expecting them to do something that's going to potentially put their body at risk right. you know these are things that i feel like in the bigger picture could always be better yes. compensation can always, always be, better. be better we are all oh my gosh putting our our lives and our our livelihood on the yes. line um, when we step out there and do something for someone, and I, I oftentimes feel like when it's outside of the the dance world, it's it's not often looked at as something that's serious. Right. They see the beauty of it, but they don't understand the the sort of protocol or mm -hmm. the things that you have to make yeah. sure are in place to make that beauty happen. Right. Now, before I went into acting, um, I was uh, very much a ballet dancer, and I would go to many, many auditions, open auditions, private auditions, any kind of auditions. And a lot of times you had to pay to, take to, to take the class or to be in front of the person. And I feel like that's something that I wish would change. Mm -hmm. Even if it's less money, even if it's like a processing fee mm -hmm. of like $5. But I've been into uh, auditions where they ask for $40. Wow. And it's like a cat call. It's like a cattle call where there's a hundred or 150 people there and they're not even looking for somebody. They're just holding it's auditions. A it's a business side. Yeah. Yeah. It's paying for, you know, whatever the director's expenses is to be at that studio. Mm -hmm. Um, which I understand business is a thing, but you're also kind of just taking money away mm -hmm. from artists and, you know, I even see this a lot of times as an actor, too. You know, you have a lot of workshops, and there's no guarantee of anything. Now, it's good to get in the room with somebody, but at what cost? Mm -hmm. You know, I understand you have to, you know, pay to play in some instances, but it's 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 something I wish was a little different. A little different. A yeah. Little different. Yeah. yeah. Now, my other question is, what is one thing that you love about your industry that you can't find anywhere else? The one thing that I, off the top of my head, that I love about my industry is that being a dancer for me is one of the most magical experiences I think I could, to, to date. Like I yeah. can't think of anything else in my life up to this point that has been so just transformational. Um, I go on stage and there's moments where I'm so involved and invested in a character or performance that I sort of lose myself in that. And mm. I've never experienced something like that in, you know, everyday life. Yeah. Especially in New York where everything is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're just bombarded yeah. every single step of the way. Yeah. You know, being able to 
get out of bed and and go every morning to uh, a warm-up class mm-hmm. and be, being able to do that class with live music yes um it's just it's those little yeah. things that i i you don't always realize yeah. how special that is until you know you deal with an injury and you can't mm-hmm. necessarily go in and mm-hmm. you know you have other things going on life things life. going on <laughs> uh, um, but yeah and and and, it, and it's just being grateful for what you have yeah cuz you're doing something that most people would love to do they may not understand all the details of it mm-hmm. but it's a dream for many people and you should be grateful. I, I totally, yeah. I totally am. I know you are, <laughs> but somebody who might be watching, it's always good to, you know, we, we were talking about just earlier. There's always the, um, saying the grass is greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. We see other people who have perceived, uh, success and failures and stuff like that. And they're like, Oh, I want to have that life. Mm-hmm. But I think what's more important is looking at what you have and appreciating what you have so that you can make your own grass greener. Totally. You know, I think that that's really the game at play. Yeah. A lot of people are outward thinkers mm-hmm. instead of what do I have and what can I make better? And I think that's so important to be able to, you know, I'm even discovering how there's so many things going on, but it's sometimes so simple. Mm-hmm. You have to just step back and self-reflect and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Find that space and time for yourself because you can't just keep going, going, going. Because yes. then you look back and it's like, where did it all go? Where did it all it's go? It's all done, especially, <laughs> especially as a ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. It's a very short, short career. Yeah. Even though there's multitudes within that short time, it t- there comes a point in which you can't do it anymore. You have to hang up the shoes. Hang up the shoes. Yeah. And so being grateful for the time that you have and making the is, most of it is, is yeah. yeah, that that's number one. Yeah. Yeah. Calvin, where can people find you? Um, other than performing with American ballet yes. theater, uh, we're getting ready for upcoming tours all across the country. Okay. Um, I am on social media. I'm on Instagram. Um, my handle is at Calvin Royal. I, 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 I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Very good. Is there anything else, any nuggets of wisdom you would want to share with people? I mean, <laughs> in, my short, in my short time on this earth, yes. um, I mean, I, I've been so grateful to, to have been able to make it to this point mm-hmm. in my life by being true to who I am deep, deep down inside. And I yeah. think... Um, when you lead with that, people are drawn to it in a way that you can really have authentic conversations. You can connect with people in, in ways that open up doors that maybe you never even imagine. Yeah. So I think it's really important to, to really dig deep and, and bring your honest self yes. in everything you do. What a great way to end a podcast. <laughs> Calvin Royal Third. thank you so much for Thanks, taking man. some time out of your busy life and you. all the best to you. Thank you so much. All right. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you got any value from this, please share with a friend and make sure to subscribe so you can listen to every new episode. All right, have a great day.